good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Bulldog fans everywhere. Uh, we are thrilled to be welcoming you back to this week's episode of the Stark Vegas Report. Of course, I'm your co-host, Colton Watson. And I'm your other co-host, Gavin Lagazino. And it is, I guess we'll call it what, a D-minus week of sports for Mississippi State? Mm-hmm. Or yeah. maybe a C-minus, C D-plus? It's not been great. I'd say D plus. D plus is fair. D plus week. Uh, we got lots to talk to you about. Of course, it's basketball season. Um, baseball is right around the corner, and I'm sure many of you are more than ready. I know I am, um, and we'll get into all of that really soon. But we're going to start off with news first, and the way that the news cycle normally goes, it's going to be mostly football related. We'll get into basketball analysis uh, soon, but. This is until about February. You're going to get a lot of uh, football news, probably. And then, you know, the way that works in a normal year, who knows about this year, that'll pick back up in June or July. Uh, you'll get a little bit of things, stuff out of spring practice. And then it'll be football season. But there's not much. Football doesn't take many days off. I guess we probably won't have many football-related episodes at all in March or April, except for spring practice. But the uh, the news cycle just keeps keeps on churning out stories. It seems like every single day. Yeah, yeah. You could probably a lot. spend all day on the message right. boards just for football. Yeah, and this time of the year is getting really stressful with the coaching carousel. There for a minute it looked like we were going to make it all the way through the coaching carousel unscathed, but within the last couple of days or so, things are heating back up. Uh, even within the last few minutes, just with some stuff that's going on. So we're going to give you all the inside scoop on that. First up, we're going to talk about uh, defensive coordinator Zach Arnett. As y'all know, there's been a lot of talk about him interviewing with uh, Oregon, LSU, and now Texas all this week. Uh, Shane Beamer from South Carolina came down last week to have some conversations with him, and that fell through. Luckily, Cohen and uh, Mike Leach did a really good job with getting Zach Arnett's contract restructured halfway through the season. Uh, I think it was right before the Egg Bowl. Uh, Right right before the Auburn game. Yeah, and they they did a good job with that. and increased his buyout to two million. It was four hundred fifty thousand. So a lot of these teams, they're they're talking to Zach, and then they're they think that his buyout's still four hundred fifty thousand, and then come to find out it's two million. And I know this happened with LSU. They were like, oh, we can't we can't do that. So luckily, that's kept Arnett in Starkville. Which I had LSU fans tell me it was a terrible interview. I doubt that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I heard that, but I doubt that's what. Happened. I heard that uh, Arnett and Orgeron did not necessarily get along with some of their philosophies, but I wouldn't think they would. No. I mean, Orgeron's the defensive line coach, like yeah. DLU and all that at USC yeah. and everything, and you're going to tell him that you're only going to have three of those guys playing. I just don't. That just doesn't sound right to me. Yeah. I don't think he's a good fit at anywhere that's that's a big traditional program because of the scheme. Although, like we know that it would work. I'm not trying to sit there and say that it wouldn't, but you don't see not that it, not that the three three five doesn't work, but you don't see Notre Dame, Miami, mm-hmm. and they don't want they don't want to try something new. That. That's that's a newer scheme, and like Colton saying, these traditional programs aren't going to want to abandon the things that have made them successful for so long to try something that's new and exciting. And uh, there again, Texas is interviewing him, yeah. or we think. so. Yeah. So, But just to re-harp on that, stroke of genius and something that doesn't happen. You don't negotiate contracts in the middle of the season. That just that just is unheard of. But doing so, you've probably prevented two real shots of him getting hired off the bat, and that's Oregon and LSU. I've heard 
from one end of the spectrum that Oregon was never really a factor. It was more of a formality. And then I've heard that uh, the same thing. I've had LSU fans tell me, well, he did a bad interview. If we wanted it, we'd have him. We don't want him. I'm like, ah. Usually, if you're going to go through all the trouble to fly somebody in, you're pretty sure that you want them. And then the interview is just to make sure that everybody vibes. And yeah. maybe they didn't. But the uh, I do know for a fact that there is a lot of people, a lot of big reporters in the in the industry reporting the $450,000 buyout. Pro football focus. No, not pro football. Football talk or something like that. Yeah. Some big said the the two the two million doesn't hit until February and that is not true. No, two, two million is right now. As soon as Zach Arnett signed that restructure, it it was active. Right. So, so anyways, Arnett to Texas is becoming more and more likely, uh, especially over the last day or so. Um, like we said, apparently interviewed with them today. I can't get that confirmed, uh, but I also can't get that denied. So, I, if I had to guess, he probably did. Um, but if Sarkeesian can't get Pete Golding, which is D, uh, Alabama's DC, if he can't get Pete Golding to come to Texas with them, we could be in some trouble, right? Because uh, um, there Texas are other guys was, on their list. Yeah. Besides, I, I would, I heard like three days ago that you could put, you'd probably put Arnett somewhere around third or fifth on the list. But uh, people put out misinformation there for a reason. There are guys. There are people who part of their job is to make up stuff about this. And there are people who it's not part of their job, but they do it anyway. Uh, I think Barrett Saleh put out an article before Texas was even had even spoken with Zach Arnett at all that he was the leading candidate. What the article should have said is, I think this guy should be a leading candidate. But that's not how it was phrased. That's, how he, that's what he came out and clarified uh, privately later to some people. Uh, and then you have agents, and this is what Dan Mullen's agent used to do all the time. This is why every year they acted like he was going to go to Rutgers or something. Agents will go out there and ask people to mention their can their clients in connection with jobs that they're not connected to to stir up drum up business. So there's a lot of purpose misinformation. You remember this with the baseball hire a couple of years ago. Um, we were all over apparently quote unquote TCU coach and then Tim Corbin at Vanderbilt. That wasn't going to happen. That wasn't and ever going to happen. Well, that one was a little bit more believable, but I don't I don't know if I want an old an old Miss guy over here anyway. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I do. Maybe I do for maybe I do for because he knows the area, and that's actually an advantage. But call me, you know, spiteful or petty. I guess I'm comfortable with Lamonis. But uh, oh yeah, it all worked out. That all worked out. But there is some people are like, I heard we were looking at Tim Corbin. No, we weren't. That wasn't going to work. Why would you ask somebody to come coach in an SEC school where he doesn't get to cheat the scholarship rule when he's already at one where he does? I mean, you can't ask for a better situation. He's in the best conference in baseball, and he gets to offer more scholarships than everybody else. So anyway. Another slight coaching update, just something to keep our eye on that Gavin dug up for me earlier. Yeah, so Florida, uh, their linebacker coach is headed to Michigan. And what that means for us is that it's likely that Mullen is going to be coming after Cheney in the next few hours or few days. Um, hopefully we're able to hang on to him because right now Cheney's our defensive analyst. But as you all know, Cheney played linebacker uh, at MSU and also in the NFL. He's from, or I don't know where he's originally from. Man, Colton didn't look as far into that as we should have. But he came he's to us. He's a bulldog us, is what we're trying to say. Right, but he came to us from Florida as a coach. So being a defensive analyst for us, I think it'd be really hard for him to turn down a linebacker coaching spot if Mullen uh, made that available to him. Luckily for us, though, I think Cheney's pretty bought into he's what we're doing He's from Florida here. originally. He went to high school in Florida. Okay. So he's he's a good guy though, big part of the staff. Uh, he's a big deal for our recruiting. 
and I know that a lot of the guys like him, so hopefully we're able to make it through that part of the coaching carousel unscathed as well. Um, some recruiting news. We know that you all are super interested in that. First, we want to clear up the thing with Trey Walker. So those of you all that were listening, news broke, very important news broke about Trey Walker during our recording session. So we were caught off guard, as was everybody else. I know that some several podcasts that day had already recorded, and then they had to go wait several days to offer their correction. At least we got something about it during the show. Trey Walker who would have been the, one of the most, uh, probably the most productive transfer that Mississippi State has ever landed and, and definitely the most productive transfer in the transfer portal right now as far as just what he's done in the past. Um, his waiver was blocked by the SEC after he'd already announced because apparently if you haven't graduated and you have only one year to play, you can't transfer into the SEC. Now, I appreciate being the best conference in college athletics, but there's a lot of nitpicky rules that the SEC has that other conferences don't have, and it's hurting the sport for us. That's a disadvantage. So right now, you've told one of your you know, your mid-level teams, hey, you can't have this really talented guy because of some really weird technicality. Yeah, and that rule was made to prevent guys from coming into the conference and not graduating. Because uh, that hurts graduation rates for all the schools if you let those type of guys come into your programs, which is understandable. But the thing is, he was, he was going to graduate in May. Like he could have, if he had, if he had transferred four months later, he would miss spring practice, but he would still would have graduated and could have done as a grad transfer. So like, it would, it, there was nothing he would have had. Think about this: all of spring, summer, and all of next fall to get one semester's worth of classes in. He could have done that. Like that would have been easy in this case. Just thinking as a student perspective, think of when you were back in college or if you're in college, could you have used a whole year to take one semester's worth of classes and been fine? First of all. Second of all, and maybe the kids had a major change or something, this is why collegiate athletes usually graduate in December, so that they have these options at the end of their at the end of their uh, fall. Uh, at the end of their their last year, they graduate in the, in the fall instead of the spring. They usually get about a semester's ahead of our, over summer classes and stuff like that. And again, maybe there's a specific situation with him, but I'm a yeah, little he, bit salty that San Jose State doesn't put their athletes on that kind of track like most schools do. Yeah, he had some academic struggles when he first got to San Jose State. Is that what you heard? Yeah, and he he wasn't even positive he could graduate by May. They were saying it might take him till December, okay. and that would have been a big problem. Well, yeah. So, in in any case, uh, something that we definitely should have checked up on. But like something I really like about this staff is they never get caught holding the bag when it comes to recruiting. If something bad happens, they've always had a plan B. Hours later, literally hours later, we're already talking to Makai Polk. Makai Polk, uh, the second leading receiver this year out of Cal. He does have multiple years to play. Um, As soon as the one-time transfer rule is approved by the NCAA, he should be able to play immediately. And he is a a big-time player. Gavin's got more about him, but... The point here is, is they lose one really productive receiver out of the transfer portal, and they immediately go and grab another one. Yeah. So just looking at Makai, he's uh, he actually enrolled today, so it's official. He's he's officially a bulldog. Um, but just looking at what he's going to be able to do in the air raid for us, he's a long athletic receiver. He's able to run. He's been clocked at a four four two in the past, um, which is as fast, if not faster, than most most of the receivers that we do have outside of Tulu. Um, might, be as, might be fast as Tulu. I mean, that's fast. Oh, that's blazing. That's shaver speed. Yeah. That's what I like to call that. Yeah. And then we know what happened And there. he's 6'4". So he's 
He's literally shavers all over mm-hmm. again. Um, he doesn't have many jump balls on his tape, but he has the frame and the potential to be a jump ball type of receiver for us. Um, he has good and consistent hands, which is something that you know we could obviously use with some of the receiver struggles we've had in the past. Um, and I think it's safe to say that the coaching staff that we've put together for these wide receivers are only going to make his hands better. Um, I expect him to be on the outside, which will have him working with Spurrier, which is a good fit for him. Uh, he's got three years to play and some of the comparisons that I've seen that I like a lot. Um, he's been called a longer Jaden Wally or even a more experienced version of Jacoby Moore, which is a guy that all of you guys know I'm a, I'm a really big fan of, and I think he has a lot of potential. And I've also seen him called Osiris with higher upside and more athleticism. So all three of those comparisons, I think, if you hear that you're getting a guy like that uh, to add to your system, you're going to be pretty satisfied with that at the end of the day. Probably as good as we could have done besides Trey Walker. Yeah. And even they, they're they two completely different players. So they it's, are. it's hard to compare them. But like you said, hats off to the, stat, uh, to the staff for being able to get these guys, you know, within 24 hours of each other. And I know that as far as the transfer portal goes, we had one transfer spot available to an offensive lineman or a best offensive player, and we took Polk. And it's looking like we might be opening up another offensive spot. Um, well, with the transfer portal, we'll, we'll get to that in a yeah. second. But uh, speaking of when I was going, the incoming, the, the portal giveth and the portal taketh away. Yeah. As far as incoming transfers, what's our slot situation there? And then, uh, of course, from the high, what are we trying to do back in high school, which we've mentioned several times before, but there's been a couple updates since then. Yeah, so looking at high school guys, uh, Calvin Johnson the second. You know, the, the biggest DB that we have left on the list. Uh, he's going to be a battle all the way up to signing day. He, re- he visited Northwestern within the past week, which is another school that's leading for him. They're up towards the top. Uh, and he ended up liking it a lot. Him and his whole family drove up there. and Unofficial visits only, so they right. couldn't meet with staff. They right. just got to hang out up yeah, there. Yeah, they got to go see campus and whatnot. Uh, but it's going to be a battle between us and them. And I'm not... I'm I'm probably about 65% confident that we get him. So it, it's going to be a battle all the way to signing day, guys. Luckily for us, he grew he grew up in an MSU family. His mom works at the school. Um so he's had a, he's had hey, plenty that's of another opportunity. scholarship too. Yeah. <laughs> he's had plenty of opportunity to I see. I don't know everything. if I don't know if you can stack those, but you that can't. is a, you can't stack parents scholarship. Dang. Mm-hmm. We've got a, a, since we recruited him, we had to give him a athletic scholarship. Oh, I just wonder if he could be getting money back. Uh, maybe. Yeah, if you could stack them. I mean, I've got scholarships yeah. that stack, and I've got some that don't. I got some I had to turn down, but yeah. Uh, but Calvin Johnson, he's a must-have guy, and it would really suck to lose that on him. I'm not going to sugarcoat things. If we miss on Calvin Johnson, then it's it's very disappointing. Uh, looking over to Ty Cooper, I'm feeling really good on him. I expect him to not announce anything. He'll be pretty quiet up until signing day. But I do think he'll ultimately sign with us unless he gets a big out-of-state offer really late in the cycle from somebody like Auburn or LSU or one of the Blue Bloods. Colorado is another school he's looking at. I think I think he really likes Mississippi State, but he's a type of guy that really wants to go see the world and like get out get out of where he's from. Yeah, and I understand that. I I'm gonna be honest. I love Mississippi State. I couldn't have gone if I lived 45 minutes away. I've earned less than that, really, with Louisville. Yeah. I, I would have had to go somewhere else. That's just the type of person I am. Yeah. Um. So as far as transfers goes, I guess we're still going after some defensive backs. Are we still looking at the Missouri guy? Or. Uh yeah, but that's looking more and more unlikely. 
due to the same rule that kept us from getting Trey Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Sparks is the guy that Colton's talking about. And it's looking like we're going to miss on him just because he also hasn't graduated. And it's really unfair to him for, to ask him to try to not go anywhere or figure out what his decision is going to be until he graduates in May. So yeah, it's looking like he's going to end up leaving the conference. And same with Eddie Smith. Um, originally a guy out of high school. He was a three-star composite, four-star, 24-7 guy. Ended up going to Alabama, but we were the runner-up. Uh, it's funny how that normally happens. And now he's yeah. leaving He's leaving Alabama, and it's looking like we not we might not be able to get him because of another SEC rule, which prohibits from transferring within the conference or else we'll have to sit out a year. Right. So if, in case y'all are wondering what we're talking about, the NCAA is looking at, and, they, and it's all but a done deal, there's going to be a rule to where you can transfer once anywhere and be fine. doesn't matter. You don't have to sit out. You can play. Any sport universal rule which i'm in favor of really standardizing it because the whole thing with the 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 big time quarterbacks that are transferring to big name programs get to always be immediately eligible but the offensive lineman that's trying to be closer to his family because his, his grandfather's dying he doesn't get immediately eligible that's annoying and i know that there's paperwork involved in that and that's actually part of the problem but that just burns me up and it burns all of you up too i'm sure so the rule is going to be you can transfer anywhere once and you're immediately eligible. It's a little bit more fair because, again, coaches can leave at a moment's notice and, and leave all their athletes out to dry, and that kind of sucks. The problem, though, is that the SEC will probably make their own rule to where you can't go conference to conference and uh, you can't go from one SEC school to another SEC school without sitting out. I do like that rule, too. It's going to end up hurting us a little bit in this cycle because of those two guys. Um, but I'll tell you what, and if you think this isn't happening, you're kidding yourself. You don't think that like LSU or Alabama would love to have Emmanuel Forbes on their team right now? Just to, for an example. And they could come take him if they wanted to if we didn't have that rule. Right. And they can't talk to him specifically, but they can talk to a youth coach or a high school coach, and then that youth coach can talk to his dad, and then the word can get relayed, okay? You're absolutely kidding yourself if you don't think those kinds of things happen, okay? Uh, in fact, that and a little bit more direct tampering is why Jarian Jones and Fabian Lovett were almost Ole Miss Rebels, and now they're not um, because they actually did it kind of directly. They used their own players to – I mean, that was when – you, when you're posting – when the week before you commit, you're posting – pictures on your snapchat story with the with the team you're about to commit's players or the week before you enter the portal i should say that's a little bit of a telltale sign that there's been some tampering (laughs) but uh that is why the Ole Miss athletic director had to step in and say we're not going to take these scholarships anymore (laughs) so there's examples number one and two mccallan pounders being three of Ole Miss screwing Mississippi state kids out of their scholarships yeah they've done it three times (laughs) So for those of you that want to talk about uh, more, you know, the, the greater morality of each of these institutions, and I know that we can go back and forth all day and Ole Miss fans think that they're all angels. And I'm not saying that Mississippi State's not had fault all the time because we do. We, you can, I could find fault in numerous occasions with Mississippi State going back to, you know, before World A week War One. I. I mean, yeah, there you go. We, we screwed up with Trey Walker. 
I mean, we. I mean, he's not gonna not get to go somewhere though. Right, but you told a kid that he can come play for you, and then ends up we didn't do our homework. That there you go. That's a good situation. That's a good point. We we have never intentionally, as to my knowledge, intentionally off derailed and completely changed the future of a recruit to spite another school. Okay, Lane Kiffin talks McKaylen Pounders into flipping to Ole Miss and then tells him nine hours before signing day that you don't have a scholarship. Okay. Uh, Lane Kiffin and I guess John Rice Plumley and whoever else quote unquote tampers. Obviously that was never proven. It would have been proven if they had actually signed with Ole Miss to get Jari and Jones and Fabian Lovett to come to Ole Miss and then, Oh, y'all can't come here. Sorry. So now they got to go to anywhere else. They end up at Florida state who I guess is a, like, a dumpster fire right now. I don't <laughs> want to. I guess they're more of a dumpster fire than either one of the programs over here. Yeah. I mean, that's just. I think that's safe to say. Maybe they'll be improved next year. They probably will be. But in any case, Norvell's a good coach. In any well, Norvell's the one that was making remarks that was getting everybody upset. Like mm-hmm. as soon as they they stepped into a dumpster fire, as far as a social situation with yeah. their coach and their players. They stepped into that. And that's all because Ole Miss is going to try to talk them into coming over there. And if y'all think that that wasn't, that that wasn't out of nowhere, Jarian Jones got a, got a personal foul for taunting Ole Miss after the, the, the piss and the miss. Okay. So he is, was not a big rebel, rebel supporter or, you know, what do you call him? A defector or something, anything like that. He wasn't a, a traitor before then in November, but then come spring, he suddenly is. There has to be conversations there. So if you think those conversations weren't happening, you're kidding yourself. We're going to talk about basketball now. We've already spent 20 minutes talking about football. We'll be allocated probably five. So that's just the, the way things are in this sport. Um, Oh, no, we're not. We're going to keep talking about football. Yeah, we got to hit on the transfers real quick. So we've lost Jace Christman to the transfer portal. Uh, Jace Christman holds the record for field goals made, extra points made, and field goal percentage. That's, that seems right. I don't, I don't know. know if he holds the record for percentage, the school record for percentage. I don't know. Who Definitely for, for made. I mean, within points. A... He holds the record for points. He is your leading point getter in all in football history at Mississippi State is Jace Christman. There's your trivia question here in about 10 years at a Dave's Dark Horse Tavern. All right. Um... He's gone. He's going to hit hit the transfer portal. He's already graduated. Uh, we expected that. Luckily, our kicking situation is going to be fine. Brandon Ruiz has confirmed he is enrolled in classes. He has confirmed that he'll be back next year. So barring anything catastrophic there, we will have the kicking situation set up. And now we have all year to go get, I guess, a freshman kicker because after that, who We're knows gonna what's going on. Gonna need, I guess Nolan McCord is probably old, too. Mm. He's close to graduation. He's been here a year or two, hasn't he? Uh, that would be your. He might have been here a year, but he's not anywhere okay. near graduate. I don't know. I don't think if there was th- if he's the third kicker in 2020 that he's you're going to be your first kicker in 2022. Yeah. So, um, you also lose offensive lineman James Jackson. This one probably hurts the most out of the three we're going to mention. You also lose Kaziah Pruitt. Uh, he was one of the lowest, the first recruits we took in the 2019 signing class. So. Yes, 2019 signing class. One of the first recruits we took in the 2019 signing class. So Pruitt uh, thought he was something that we could have developed. I don't think the coaching change helped him a lot because he had a, he's one of those that was going to have to work really hard to get into some of these football games and hasn't been able to do it. But we lose James Jackson, offensive lineman, backup center. 
that was going to be some of your depth next year. And uh, I think he's probably okay to shift out to interior offensive lineman like a guard. He mostly center right now. So guard is one of those positions you're not expecting uh, a lot of your veterans back. You are looking loaded at tackle. But um, really hoping that uh, I guess he still has a time to come back, but probably not. Yeah, and just real quick, guys, I heard on uh, Cameron Jones, he's expected to move over to guard. That's That'd be good. Which is good for guard depth. And Brandon Cunningham is going to be playing DN next year. DN? Yep. Defensive end? Mm-hmm. Where'd you hear that? Sources. <laughs> that was the funniest answer. <laughs> okay. On to basketball now. Men's basketball, um, really, really difficult. Tough one-point loss to Texas A&M. I have still not gotten to reserve a seat yet to get into a, a, a game. I've watched all of them on TV. You're not I've, going uh, tomorrow? They sold out right before you got here. I, w- I was going to do it. I was going to do it when we set up, and then I got a notification. Tickets sold out, and I was like, mm, I got mine yesterday. Oh, I'm so stupid. I need to I need to start doing it ahead of time. I keep thinking I'm going to be able to do it at the last minute, and I'm not. They open Monday morning. But so if y'all uh, didn't know, get on it. They yeah, open Monday morning. For students. Every Monday morning at 9. Um, not having many fans in the hump, I think, is killing us. I want y'all to think about this. We've got a double overtime loss and a one-point loss at home. So do y'all think we could have gotten one more point in both of those games if you had a whole a whole crowd? I mean, that's the definition of home court advantage. I've heard in football it's like three points. I don't know if that's true or not. I heard in basketball it's more like ten. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's tough to gauge, though. It's, you, it there's is. There's no way of knowing. There's no way of knowing. I still think we'd be undefeated at home if we had a home crowd. I'm going to take that to my grave. Uh, not not, and I know the much maligned Humphrey Coliseum that sometimes people think that we don't get out and get after it as much as we should. But the the crowd we had at Texas A and M, especially, and again Kentucky, you can't tell me we wouldn't have guys out for a weekend game against Kentucky. Get out of here. The kind of crowd that we had though, um, at the Texas A and M game, they were as full as they could have been. Tells me that we would have had a lot more people. JV and we Davis would have been nice to have too. They also uh. What's, what do you mean? Oh, he didn't play. All right, right. Mm-hmm. There you go. Is he COVID or? Can't say. You can't say? Yeah. Like, as in you don't know or you can't tell me? Can't tell you. How do you know? Because sources. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying over here. He should, be, he should be back in two weeks, guys. Okay. That's so all I know. know. <laughs> um. We uh, anyway, we lost a game to Texas A&M that we shouldn't have lost. And again, I think if you have Javon Davis or a crowd, uh, I knew he was out. I just didn't know why. Yeah, that we probably you could probably call that a W. But again, everybody's got to deal with that this year. Only reason I even mentioned that because nobody gets a home crowd is because those were close games. And again, we had we won a close game at Vanderbilt, so maybe that works both ways. But uh, the game we won at Georgia, there wasn't. There wasn't anything crowd could have done in that one. I mean, we were up 20 points at one point. Uh, similar thing with the women. Uh, I think the women lose what don't lose in a crowded gymnasium both last night and against Kentucky on Sunday. But we'll get we'll get over that in a little bit. Um, we said last week these men's teams are going to lose a couple games they're not supposed to. We think they're going to win a couple they're not supposed to. I expect us to beat probably an LSU. Or, and uh, I guess Arkansas is a decent team. Arkansas got shelled by LSU the other week, though. Hey, you see Razorbackology does a uh, basketball podcast with their basketball assistant coach. That's insane. That's pretty cool. Why can't we do that? 
sources. We need <laughs> you know Jamar ones. Chaney, don't we you? We ought to do ones. one with Jamar yeah. Chaney. He'd get on here. We ought to get we ought to get just Booby Dixon on here. We've tried. Booby. He said he'll say yeah, 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 and then we had a podcast lined up. Got me and me and John did. Colton wasn't a part of this one. We had a podcast lined up. It was called the Banks and Booby Show, and it was Jonathan Banks and Booby Dixon, and it fell through. Well, Jonathan Banks doesn't live here anymore, so that's part of it. We didn't live together, or we didn't live close to each other when we were doing ours at first. I, I, you're right. That's a good point. That's a good point. In any case, we're off on running Chasing Rabbits now, but you're going to lose games that you shouldn't. You're probably going to win a couple that you shouldn't. There's lots of parity in the league. Uh, there's no – you got Tennessee and pretty much everybody else. You beat Missouri, who's one of those teams. Auburn, who's usually one of the best teams in the league, is Ofer. I think they got their first win the other day, actually. They beat Maybe. Georgia. I'll check. Um, Ole Miss is looking pretty pretty uh, trash, I guess. Florida's one of the good teams in the league. You got uh, Arkansas is decent. LSU's pretty good. And then we're right there, around fifth, I would say. And, and I'm not talking about the actual standings, which were probably about fifth and those as, as well or close to it, tied. It's early in the season. Everybody's tied up with somebody. I'm thinking that as far as the eye test and who's looking looking in more tip-top shape, it's going to be us. Auburn smoked Georgia. Yeah, they got, they got Bruce Pearl got mad. 95-77. They had 14 blocks in that game. Goodness. 14 block shots. Auburn has the tallest team in the league, and then they're, they're one and however many, one and four. Um, lots of Like I said, there are lots of parity in the league. I don't think there's going to be – Nobody's gonna run away with it unless unless Tennessee just starts getting real really, really, really good. Um weakness for this team has got to be perimeter defense, though. Perimeter defense is is Atrocious. something that's killing us. We held serve against Vanderbilt at first and they started trying pouring them in. Vanderbilt shoots the most threes in the league by far. Winning that game, I think, was a big confidence booster for that type of defense. So you're you got the best three point shooting team in the league at, at oh, on the road and you win that game. That was huge. The most, the most annoying part of it is that it's not even that our perimeter defense is just bad. It's bad, but it's not it's bad as bad the as the numbers times. make it look. Because every team we play, it seems like, they will just get red hot from behind the arc. And you could have two hands in their face, and it doesn't matter. Well, part of that is not letting them get hot, though. Yeah. I mean, you've yeah. got to... You've got to pl- keep that up from the get-go because you want most players, a great player. They if they're having a tough night, one shot goes in, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. they're right back where they're supposed to be. Look at Stephen Curry; he's yeah. just like that. I watched him last night, and it was stupid. He was he he was start, he was hot from the get-go. Yeah, and then they lost, and it was annoying. But uh, speaking of weaknesses, I think the free throws are looking better. Free throws are looking better. I think we're we're all right again. Two games you probably could have won if you make a couple free throws against Dayton and against uh, Clemson. Think about where we're th- what what do we think of this team if we win two of those non-conference games that we lost? I mean, just think about just just what where what's the perception of this team? Are we ranked? No, no, maybe not. It'd be close. It'd be close. We beat Missouri. We feel a lot better about it. We'd feel better. Um, I don't think an off game from DJ helped very much. I actually know it didn't help very much against Texas A&M. Still one of the best players in the league. His uh, mid-range jumper is automatic. I think DJ is somebody that we really have to hold on to next year to make this probably one of the best teams that Hallen's had. Uh, Iverson Molinar is a star. He's 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 good, good. Yeah. He's got it. I mean, you don't have – there's not a lot of 
me on the team to where and and, and this is for better or for worse. Q Q Witherspoon could carry the team. There's I had no problem with Quindary Witherspoon carrying the team. The dames that he did. Yeah. I don't know that Rick Reggie Perry can carry a team. He did some games against Arkansas last year. He carried the team. Uh, and that was really funny because Arkansas thought that he should have went to Arkansas. Um, I don't think that he's he, he was that. I don't think we had that kind of athlete other than Q in a while. You didn't have that in Nick Weatherspoon. Mm-hmm. Not even not Tyson Carter, even though we love those guys. Lamar Peters definitely wasn't carrying the team. <laughs> and Lamar 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 would have games where he would he looked like he was number one draft pick, and he'd have other games where you're like, why is he? There's, going there's the some SEC games team? where you're like, this dude could beat Kyrie Irving one on one, and then. There's other games where it's like, how did he get here? Right. I think Molinar and and DJ aren't those guys yet that they're just going to carry the team. But here's the thing. Nobody's trying to do that. They don't have to. You had people that that would try to do that that couldn't. And that's where you kind of got a little bit bogged down. That's why I think the team last year underachieved at the beginning of the SEC season. Um, Iverson Molinar is a star, but he is not going out there trying to do too much. Uh, everybody's You can't just guard one guy, and that's the problem when you have guys that are carrying the team. You guard one guy, you limit one guy, and then where's the points coming from? Tyler Smith can give you can give you a double-double anytime. Uh, DJ Stewart is a walking 15 points easy. He's actually averaging 17.6. Um, Jalen Johnson's going to hit two or three threes every single game. He's in double digits in almost all the games that he starts. Uh, Javian Davis is a good good contributor. You've got more across the board that we could talk about. Um, I think if you we need if we can get to about two games above 500, and then play well in the SEC tournament, you might play yourself into one of those seven seeds or something like that. Yeah, uh, I'm not ready to say that yet, but it's no. looking it looked like it could be it we it could have been a lot worse. I mean, if you heard us at the beginning of the season, we said we said we might be the worst team in the league. I didn't say that. Or close to it. I said. I said this. It's. I don't expect much, but perhaps we not, said we wouldn't be surprised if we were one of the worst teams in the league. Maybe I said that I, we didn't expect much, but but perhaps having not a true star and having a, having to rely on everybody a little bit is going to make the team better. And we're seeing that that's the case. Uh, that actually is exactly what's come to fruition. You've got multi- two, I would quote, stars on the team, which again they're blossoming more than what we thought. But like we said. You can't just limit Molinar and DJ Stewart and expect to stop the scoring completely. Um, and again, not being able to buy a basket and DJ struggling against uh, Texas A&M is probably what killed us. Not having a crowd hurts, of course, as well. Because Texas A&M didn't score a lot of points. scored 56 points. So we got there was a several shots in the end that we could not buy a basket. But uh, hopefully we can clean that up and get a win at home against Florida. Is that our next game? Correct. Our next tomorrow. game is tomorrow at noon. I want to say what time is the game? It three. is at three. Dang. I'm going to be there. And I can't. Urgh, why did I not just get my tickets earlier? I'm so stupid. Tickets for the game at Alabama are $194. The lowest. That's insane. All right. Alabama's a good team. Alabama's a good basketball team. There's another team I should have mentioned. We were listening teams. Alabama's a good basketball team surprisingly to me women's basketball um suffered back-to-back in back-to-back years a home loss to alabama that's not good not having fans i think again is killing us if you look at the kentucky game we lose in overtime one more point 
Could y'all have gotten one more point? Could gotten up for a top 15 team? I think y'all could have. Uh, same thing last night. Um, but you've got to play better defense in the half court. And you cannot get out-rebounded like you did last night. Offensive rebounds killed us. Not just from a point standpoint, but there at the last five minutes, every offensive rebound is an extra 30 seconds or 20 seconds off the clock. I mean, what are you going to do about that? You can't come. You can't mount a comeback, which we needed in the fourth quarter, when they're having possessions that last 60 seconds because they're getting two offensive rebounds. They got 44 boards last night. That's a lot, in case y'all are wondering. <laughs> How many offensive rebounds? Uh, you put me on the spot, Cole. I know. I always do it. I'll go Hold look, on. too. I got it. Uh, offensive boards, they had 16. 16 offensive rebounds. That's a lot. <laughs> Uh, for comparison, we had ten, and yeah. ten is a lot. And we're, as big as we are, but, we've got multiple six four players, and we're last in the league in rebounds. On their end of the court, we only had eight more rebounds than they did. Uh, there you go. Which there's is, a there's a problem right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there we're 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 we had hardly more defensive rebounds than they had offensive rebounds. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. You especially as big as this team is. And it's coming from a want to. And I don't know where it's coming from, like the lack of want to, if it's, you know, having a bad week in practice or are their grades getting bad or is the semester hitting them hard. I do know it's not, if you saw the game last night, and some of y'all are accusing this coach of this, uh, Coach McCray. I don't know if it's, I don't know why. I don't see that get this vibe at all. I guess y'all just think she's friendly because she's, I don't know if it's because she's a girl or whatever. She isn't being friendly buddy-buddy with them. She was chewing some butt out. She was pulling out players out of the game for, for, for messing up a lot. I, I think she's just as hard on them as you could expect a coach to be. Now, I know Vic was hard on his players a lot. I saw it firsthand. I was a manager, and he's tough. But about as tough as I was coached when I was playing basketball. But I don't expect – I don't think that, that she's coddling them. Okay? I And I, I will say this. Something's got to change. You've got Texas A&M and uh, on the road in South Carolina coming up uh, here quick. So I don't know what you're going to do to fix that, but you're going to have you're going to have to win at least one of those games to even be looking like you're going to you might host an SEC uh, excuse me uh, NCAA tournament game. Think about that. If we don't host an NCAA tournament game, it'll be the first time since 2015. That's ridiculous. We've been the one seed most of those years, and or two seed. If we lose, the, if we lose these next few games, we could be looking at a negative conference record. What's what's We're after three and USC? Two right now. After US, yeah, we lose. You got to win one of those to have, be above five hundred in the conference. Uh, again, not having people in the hump is going to kill us against USC. I can already see it. It's not going to be good. Um, I don't, I'm not saying we're going to lose the game, but that. But think about the crowd the last time South Carolina came here and we beat them that first time. And then uh, the first time we beat them at home would have been my freshman year. And then a couple years later, both times, the place was rocking. Yeah. And it's not going to be rocking. No. After USC, you're looking at Vandy, which is a winnable game. Very winnable. Um, and then you play ranked Tennessee, ranked Arkansas. Tennessee's going to about to lose their ranking. They just lost last night. Okay. And then... You go to Oxford, and then you have Auburn at home, and then you get to play at Alabama, and then at LSU, and then you get Mizzou at home. That's a tough schedule. Ole Miss gave us everything they wanted. Alabama beat us already. LSU's mm-hmm. a good women's program. You know what Tennessee is. Arkansas, like we said, is ranked. They were uh, 
Arkansas and Texas A&M have one of the each of some of the best records in basketball right now. Arkansas almost beat Texas A&M, who is probably the best team in the league as of right now. Them, or probably South Carolina, but Texas A&M was uh, the last holdout for undefeated. Mm-hmm. So this is an uphill battle for sure, and I expect a lot of these ladies. I think again, your saving graces. This is still a young team with a new coach. A young team with a new coach. You've got uh, experience in Maya Taylor, pretty good experience in Jessica Carter, but they're still going to be here next year. And that's probably it as far as long experience goes. So let's sit back and let's just not, not I'm not mailing it in waiting for next year. Still trying to make, you know, NCAA tournament round of 32, sweet 16, something like that. But something does have to change. I'm, you heard me here first. Something has got to change. You've got to play better defense and you can't get out rebound like you did. More effort, more heart. We started two new players, Lee Mathara and Madison Hayes, two young players that are going to be stars in the future, a freshman and a sophomore. But if, but, and that that shows me that Nikki McCray Pinson is trying to do something. She she pulled out Rakia Jackson last night, guys. As start, Rakia Jackson didn't start last night, leading scorer, but didn't start. She's trying something. She's not just sitting on her hands and saying y'all got to do it and just letting them figure it out for themselves. Uh, but something does have to change. Is there anything else? Nope. All right. Well, we'll get back to y'all. On probably looking at the head at the schedule. Let's see. We got to give a schedule update because we're not haven't been great about that. We play. When's our next women's when's our women's games next week? When's the what what day is the South Carolina game? Is that on a Wednesday? I think so. That is one twenty eight. Today is. Uh, we got time. There's a long break actually because of cancellations because we're supposed to play that Kentucky game in there. So that A and M game is on the seventeenth. So that's Sunday, because today's the fifteenth. We could get to y'all after the Ole Miss game. We're gonna look at the men's game. The men's Ole Miss game, that's on Tuesday. So on Wednesday ish is when yeah. we'll Wednesday or Thursday is when we'll have a next episode out. Yep. So there'll be that we would have played one women's game and two men's games since then because we had a, a women's game get moved around. There's going to be a long break. Good thing for South Carolina game. There's going to be a, a nine, 11 day break in between that game and the game before. All right. With that being said, as always, swing your sword and hail state. Hail state.